Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. This is a quick pre-show announcement to let you know that I have re-released something. My album, I'm Here All Week, that's right, W-E-A-K, was released December 9th, 2010. That's 10 years ago. It's insane. And it represented about 10 years of comedy, which is what a comedian once told me. You got to do at least 10 years before you put your comedy album out. Now, of course, those rules are out the door. Anyone does whatever they want. This is a new age. No rules. No holds barred. Getting back to my album. Came out 10 years ago. And so I talked to Anthony from Talent Moat Records, who uh, put it out 10 years ago. And we agreed to put it out on Bandcamp. So if you go to nickflanagan.bandcamp.com, you can hear my album, I'm Here All Week. And it's not just the album, which a lot of people have told me they like, especially those who enjoy dick jokes, uh, very classily done, but still dick jokes, uh, are, <laughs> um, I've added more. I've included this group Famicon. They made a video uh for the release of I'm Here All Week. They did things called Bart the General. Now I do stuff with them as Wayne Stop. They're amazing. And it's a really interesting video. I've included all the art for the LP, all the art for the CD, the original press release. Um, it, it's a nice thing. And more than anything else, I buried the lead. There is a bonus track that is from 2020, March 3rd, 2020, I believe, at the Ossington. It's about eight minutes. I'm really happy uh, with the jokes I did. And it's one of the last shows I did before the pandemic. So if you go to nickflanagan.bandcamp.com, I think we're charging $7. Um, I'm also probably going to make it available to anyone who donates on ko-fi.com or patreon.com slash nickflanagan. Anyway, just wanted to let you know if you want to pick up the album, that would be great. And Wiped Privilege, my other album, is also on Bandcamp. So there you go. Now is the episode. Hey, 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 thank you for listening to me advertise my album. I recorded that a moment ago. Wow, time is a flat circle. Let's spin it like a DJ and let's get another time and that'll be a flat circle and then we'll truly be a DJ with wheels of steel. But what is life but a, a constant remix? Thank you for listening. Today's episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly is just one I've been wanting to do for a really long time. It's with a comedian. She's been a favorite uh, performer of mine for a long, long time. Love staring the, uh, sh staring the shade with her, sharing the stage uh, on shows with her. And uh, she's if, if you live in L.A., you've probably seen her. She is definitely a force of nature up there. It's really hard to nail down her style exactly. But this interview is a great... She does a really good job of kind of talking about what it is she does. And that person, of course, is Lizzie Cooperman. Lizzie Cooperman. So funny. Um, originally from Minnesota and uh, has lived in Los Angeles for a long time now. We talk about that. 
You know, she's a friend. We haven't talked in a while, so we catch up. It's all the stuff you like about an interview on this titular podcast, me being Nick Flanagan, this being Nick Flanagan Weekly. And uh, you're going to want to pick up Lizzie's album, Organism. You're going to want to pick up your computer keyboard and type lizziecooperman.com and look at that. You're going to want to go to the phone, go on the Instagram app, follow her on Lizzie Cooperman is her Instagram handle. And she does a really good job with the stories. So we are just really treating you to a good time. All thanks to how creative and funny and interesting my friend Lizzie Cooper <laughs> Coopernickel is. Cooperman. Lizzie Cooperman. Straight out of a Zoom into your ears. Be sure you pick up her album, Organism. Here is the interview. You look like someone cooler than I will. No, no, no. You For look, sure. honestly, you, you look like the person who would have more Twitter followers. You know what I'm saying? Right? No. Yeah, yeah. With the glasses, freelance writer, verified. That's that's your look. I guess that's possibly an insult. So depressing. <laughs> something, something in 2020 yeah, is depressing. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Wait, See, you're in this like studio. Yeah. Well, okay. You asked where I was. Um, as you probably know, although, you know, the thing with en entertainment is if someone's in a city for long enough and then you don't talk to them, especially LA, they're just, you, people are just like, so where, where do you live in LA now? You must've moved west or east. And uh, no, I've, I'm in Canada. I'm in Toronto. Right. Uh, and I met an- You've been there for a while, right? Since 2018, Lizzie. Oh with your mom God. and your sister. Well, with my mom, my sister oh. moved out like an adult. And then when the pandemic happened, I was like, well, I don't think I can live with this person. Right like, now. And now I'm reporting live from my mother's womb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I'm in this sort of uh, austere like, womb that I am. Let's uh... move in a little closer. <laughs> no, I uh, currently I'm residing at an artist kind of residency that you can book in uh, on an island, just like a 10 minute ferry across from Toronto. <laughs> Wait, really? I've been going to this since like 2012. You should you should book a room. Oh, I think you told me about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I probably did. It sounds like the kind of thing I'd be like, you'll get it. Lizzie, out of all the comedian people, will get the idea of having to go to an art <laughs> residency and pace around. And mostly I'm, I'm here just so people don't, like if someone saw my process, process they'd just be annoyed. They'd be like, he's not doing anything. For hours right. and hours. And now it's like 8.30 and I'm hitting the productive point of my time today. And have your cats multiplied since you've been there? <laughs> yeah. Well, what you do is on the road to the residency, any cats you see, you have, you have this pan, like a fife that uh, people, that they give you that you have to return to the residency and you blow the fife and the cats follow you. And then they're, okay. they're with you for the extent of the you're throwing the word fife around? We're only five minutes in. <laughs> I'm throwing it in the garbage now. No more fife talk. But no, I only, my mom, my sister's cat lives with my mom then, but my mom is, you know, 
tolerant of the cat. Right. But I, I get a lot out of the cat and I, I use the cat for social media cat shay. <laughs> Wait, so how many people are in this residency residence or residency? Well, it's a residence. I don't know. Yeah, it's a retreat. Because residency would mean like you're there to complete something that someone like asked you to do, right? Yeah, theoretically, you know, when you first hear about an artist residency in Toronto, you're like, oh boy, I'm going to get free room and board. And, uh, you know, my the patrons are going to just knock on my door uh, 24-7. But no, you rent it. You tell them you have a project and then you rent it. I've been coming here since 2012. So I think they just kind of accept that I am the project. Okay. Yeah. So I, I came here just because like my uh, cohabitation situation is a one bedroom. So it's like, you know, I don't want to, uh, yeah. I don't want to. And do you guys wear masks inside or are you just kind of trusting each other? In the, in the residency? Yeah. Masks in the halls, uh, masks in the, um, kitchen common kitchen thing uh masks on the ferry to get here uh it's everyone's pretty abiding pretty well by it I, I certainly am i have to share it this the last time i was here i had my own bathroom but this time i'm sharing it with a person which is kind of strange but again i'm wearing i practically wear the mask in the bathroom practically you're like i wear four masks when i go in there <laughs> do you wear masks alone i kind of picture that with you that you sometimes just, i do i'll yeah. wear them driving oh yeah i remember yeah, I, wear them. I would just wear one to take the garbage out but there are some people around but not a lot a lot of people what are you still in that area that you'd moved to when last i i was in la like east la area Okay, I believe that was the guest house belonging to the accountant from Scrubs, and I've since moved. So I moved from that place to Highland Park, and now I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, of course, yeah, you're in New Mexico. So why are you in New New Mexico? What you? I forgot you're not even an Angelino. No, at the moment, right now I'm not. so relieved. I feel like I graduated high school. Honestly, (laughs) I understand. I just needed to get out. I You've been there for such a long time. I've been there forever. I got this apartment I loved, but there were there were problems with it. Like they were constantly doing construction. There was a peacock right outside my door at all times. Yeah, you were this was like just a few weeks ago was I I yeah. recall on your world famous thousands of views uh Instagram stories. You uh, tens of thousands, uh, and uh, you you were constantly showing uh, the the peacock and just that it was now part of your life and, and family. Right, but were you terrified every day? Right? I would wake up and hear a thud and look out, and it was just like <laughs> it was so large. It was like the size of a toddler. <laughs> That's and horrible. peacocks can be aggressive, especially if they have a nest nearby. Peacocking, so, that's where the expression Exactly. <laughs> it was peacocking. And, you know, if it wasn't on one side, it was like I could only see so much out of like the peephole on my door. So I would, you know, I would look out my sliding glass door I could see, but then I would have to look the other way. And I was always just like scared to open the door because I felt like it was going to come at me in some way. 
This was yeah. in the earlier stages. And, and I actually don't have a great, I, I have a lot of animal related phobias. I used to be afraid to wear my hair like this in a bun because I thought a hawk would come up to me and snatch it. Off the I had, top I had of a bird head. attack my head once in High Park in Toronto. Just a small bird, but it went, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is a legitimate fear. No, it's, it's legit. And also it, if it happens, it feels very cursed. (laughs) When I lived in Washington, there were constantly hawks circling. And I was like, what looks better to a hawk than a cinnamon roll (laughs) on a head? I guess like a dog on a head. Yes. Yeah, a dog. <laughs> so I do have some like bird phobias. If I'm at the beach, I don't like when seagulls kind of like start oh, to. They're eerie. Uh, I, yeah. I just, I'm not a fan, but over time, you know, I had to like, I had to talk to my therapist about it because it was, it was it felt like a huge thing in my life because it, it was the only thing I saw because I was living alone. So it was like the only person I was really seeing. Yeah. Or living thing. I was really seeing the peacock. And then finally toward the end, um, we became friends, which I know <laughs> doesn't sound real, but when I left, it came to my car and said goodbye to me. It was waiting for me. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Maybe you were always expecting you to hand over the keys, you know, <laughs> just like it was going to move. Did it take over the lease? Nick, it would sit on top of my car and I heard they like, I have a black car and I heard they like black cars because they see the reflection in it. So they just start packing. They're like, like it was a whole, it was a part of my day every day for seven months. Yeah. And because I wasn't going to work or anything, it was like, I was around for it. Yeah. What was your days? What were your days like in, in Los Angeles quarantine styles? I feel like it was not um, in terms of the uh, schedule of things. It was not that different from the way it was here in Toronto and a lot of other places where like the first couple of months, everyone's like, don't leave, buy toilet paper, um, wipe down all surfaces at all times, right? Um, wear a mask at all times. And then by like the summer, people were like, okay, sneeze on people. Right. <laughs> All right. It, it kind of feel that way in the beginning. It was like, everyone stay home, you know, and a lot of people were very vocal about it. And then, yeah, somewhere in the summer, there were more kind of outdoor get togethers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really participate in a lot of that. I've been really careful about it. Yeah. But my days weren't. I, I've had, if I have a job, it changes, but when I, when I'm working from home or unemployed, I always wake mm-hmm. up and I do my morning pages. Like I write three pages. That's I've been doing so the artist forever. And yeah, I did mine. I woke up so late today. They're sitting here. I think I did them at 3 PM, but they help me every day. So I do uh-huh. that. And how, and how long have you been doing that roughly? Um, I don't even know. I mean, I mean, that's a little too roughly 15 years or something. Awesome. That's great. That's surprised. Um, Um, I love it, but I need tools to be okay. I'm not just like, I don't just wake up and 
feel good. I'm not ready. <laughs> I, I hear you. I've, I keep trying to get those uh, disciplines in order and, and um, they come and they go. Although like me- meditation, uh, you know, just like mindful, well, different forms, I guess, over the years has kind of been something I, I've been pretty good about doing. And I'm always reading new, new things. And I, I try to write diaries and stuff and, and even do the art, the artist way things, but it just feels like I just wind up writing these kind of sad self-absorbed things that if anything, take away from my desire to be a creator. Well, person. That's, that's the reason you write them. Get them out of the way in the morning. Yeah. Like mine are so boring. I'll mm-hmm. just say this really hurt my feelings and, oh shit, I need to do this. Oh, that thing wait a minute, why did I stop doing that? Like, it's just a place for me to empty it all out. And so I think it in in a way is meant to be self-absorbed, but then Mm -hmm. sometimes I have ideas come up um, when I'm just kind of going through the process of just clearing out my brain. I mean, in retrospect, I I would have that too. I mean, anytime you free write, you do get something out of it. Not anytime, but it's like you are just writing ideas. So if you have like a funny idea in the middle of, writing it, you'll write it down. And then be like, okay. I tell you, I just touched my nose. and like, I hate touching my face. And what I do is I I'll grab my shirt and like pinch my nose. <laughs> I've developed all these weird, like COVID habits. Cause like, I don't want to touch my eyes. So if I have something in my eye, I'll grab my shirt, the inside of my shirt. Oh yeah. That doesn't feel clean either. To me. <laughs> it's probably not. It's just like, what are you supposed to do? You know? Uh, it's so nice to see you, you, my do. friend. So what do I do COVID-wise? Yeah, what do you do when you need to touch your face? I, I got to tell you, I just touch it. You do? Okay. Yeah, and then I wash my hands like within, I, I just try to be like, if I leave a room, I'm washing my hands, like when or, or sanitizing them. Like when I go out of this studio room, I'm going to like, I don't know, wash wash my hands and wash my hands of this. And, right. <laughs> you know, when you say that you try meditation and stuff, do you mean you try it every day for 30 days or do you mean you try it once or twice? No, no. I mean, I mean, you know, every single day I'll try if, if I can remember oh. to take the time, I'll, I'll do it. And, um, Oh, I thought you were saying you tried it and it didn't work. No, no, you. not at all. Uh, in fact, in like 2010 or something, um, I was give I was given a gift of like the mindful, like John Gabbardson. I was say like a superpower. I was given the gift of foresight, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I knew it was going to be a thing. So I bought some stocks in mindfulness, and things were going great. But for some reason, it's not actually that popular during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I was getting up at like seven o'clock and going to this two hour class and they gave you this John kabat book and, and like a couple of CDs, uh, guided CDs. And for a long time, I was going with the guided stuff. Someone very much against the rules told me, uh, TM, uh, oh. how it, how it goes. So I incorporate right. that. Like- I went to a Shambhala class. Turns out it's a, it's a very crazy organization Shambhala but like I, I just, you told me a little bit about Shambhala no I told you a little bit about a different thing and I don't want to get into that because uh well we can edit oh. it out but I told you about 
um, Nichiren Shoshu um, Buddhism. Oh, is this because I was doing? Were you Nichiren doing? Buddhism? No, I, I was doing it, and you must have told me about it, and I was doing it. Are you still doing it? You would not even believe it. I'm in an Airbnb and I have a Gohonzon and beads in the corner. I drove here with my Gohonzon in my front seat. Lizzie, be careful. Okay, I know. <laughs> but look, I, I love I love the beads. I love the Gohonzon. I love the phrase. Uh, but I don't like the amount of things I have to say that I don't know what they are. Uh, Wait, and I drove you to this? No, not at all. Oh, okay, okay. You told me you were doing it and I'd already been through this whole thing with it. I went to the spot in um, West Hollywood and uh, like they were like, do you accept Nichiren Shoshu for the rest of your life? And I was like, eh, yes, because I was in front of like 30 people. I did the same thing. Yeah. Fucked up. We converted. We converted. We, we converted. We converted. Like so crazy. Okay, so I was really into that. I was chanting every day. And you were doing the whole oh. thirty minutes of chanting. No, not a whole thirty minutes. I okay. have the thing is, I don't like to just hear my voice. I have a terrible singing voice. I don't like to even hear myself chant over and over. Mm-hmm. So I play the chant on Spotify. Right. And I do it with get some chanting. royalties going. <laughs> some royalties. Have you ever you heard think? the Tina Turner one? Tina Turner on Of course she yeah. has one. Yeah, I know she does it. And this she is the... knows all of it. She knows beyond Namiaho Renge care. Oh she yeah, knows... there's a whole thing. Right. Yeah. Dum de dum de I shouldn't I was just gonna make Okay, so I did that and then I would say like two years ago, I went to a Kabbalah class and uh-huh. at the Kabbalah Center, loved it. And since I've been in quarantine, I've been taking regular Kabbalah classes and I'm now a level two student of Kabbalah. Well, that's an extension of, of Judaism. Yes. Which yes. You, are you, you're a Jewish that's woman? Like, you're like, at least you know the language. Are, are you a Jewish a woman? Bit. Yes. I'm a Jewish woman. My mother is Jewish. I remember that. (laughs) That. And your mother uh, was Jewish as well, right? Yes. Um, Yes. And your father? Jewish. And so you're like, I just have this, had that my dad was like straight up not Jewish. He was Irish, right? Yeah, but he's he's buried in a Jewish uh, humanist uh, cemetery plot. So. Or uh, cemetery plots, I should say. I should say. Oh my gosh. Um, I pictured plots spelled T-Z, like that, so Jewish. That, that was my joke. That just, I want to make, I'm glad you said that. Oh. That was the joke. And, and I, oh, it wasn't something yeah. where you were like explaining the joke or saying the joke again. You, you weren't being a reply guy, as they call them on Twitter. Um, I know you're not a, a, a full-on Twitterer, but... Uh-uh. You're I so stay lucky. away from it. I should get into it. No, 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 no. Now is not the time. Twitter is is <laughs> really <laughs> over. Oh my god, it's it really is? stressful and messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Why is it so stressful? Well, you're friends with Nikki Glaser, right? I mean, she could probably tell you why. <laughs> yes, I am. Why? Why is she? I just feel like a woman, a a, a, a well known yeah. 
female uh, comedian could totally tell you why Twitter yeah, is. You're is, right. She you probably know. could. She yeah. Probably could. Uh, um, why do you think it is? Well, that's a well known topic. That's just like we're artists. Why do we need to talk about computers? Well, yeah, that's that's a funny thing too. Is that's that's a huge problem unto itself. Is like the great thing about the way that you do Instagram on the stories is just like it it's um, your actual voice is present, you know. So people are looking at you saying a thing, and they're also looking at you adopting like filters and technology into the thing. So they think you're some sort of uh, videographer extraordinaire on top <laughs> really? sure. and uh, uh but but on twitter it's just words you know or a gif a gif and 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 it it's all very um what's the word uh like uh short so nobody is able to really have like a conversation that doesn't feel a bit like, this is what I think. Like, it's all, this is what I think. This is what I'm saying to you right now. You know, like you don't understand this. Maybe think about that. Like, yeah, that's what I totally, like, that's absolutely like, hey, it. FYI, if you're doing this, then you're probably also doing that. Yeah. And, and, that's and like <laughs> I know it's not all that. And that people write beautiful, brilliant things. I don't want to undermine it. Cause I feel like in a way it's like a defense mechanism. I think it's also like a country or a world in itself. So although my world of Twitter might be one way, there might be, there are completely different experiences happening throughout the neighborhoods of Twitter. And I'm just maybe in, in one that I've lived in too long and the apartment, you know, there's rats. And we need to move to New Mexico. Are you, are you loving also it? Known as Tumblr. So wait, did you straight, <laughs> did you straight up move to New, New Mexico? I, well, I'm afraid to say that if I got a job that I, I needed to be there when the pandemic is over, I'll go back, you know, yeah. but I put all my stuff. So my lease was up and you're, you're friends with Chris Crofton, right? Yeah. Great guy. I love Chris. I talked to Chris often and my lease was up and I said, I've been looking at places in LA and there is nowhere I can think of living that actually makes me happy okay that's a good sign of not i didn't want to stay in my apartment i thought burbank like where am i gonna go to walk outside and feel like i'm there's space for me you know two words universal city walk and those are two words city walks one word right that's so funny right like a sort of like a walk up <laughs> that is, I was just up. remembering John Lovett's comedy club the other night. Yeah. I had the set of my life at John Lovett's comedy club. I was headlining. This was years ago. I wore an ice skating uniform and I was like, I'm going to get this tape and send it out. And as soon as I got off stage, I was like, yes, I finally got my headlining tape. I can do colleges. Mm. Whoever taped it for me his hand shook like uh, not even just mildly or once in a while and he was like I'll tape it for you it was some like older guy who had it's like it's like I'm sorry that your hand naturally shakes but if that is the case don't offer to videotape my show 
without oh, like yeah. a tripod or anything. I'd love to help. I was heartbroken. Yeah, was heartbroken. that's 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 tough. Is that like is that like that's such a metaphor for trying oh. to get things together in entertainment? have so much like I have so many wounds I have so many wounds and they just it's like a whole landscape I mean there are great parts of the landscape too but there are a lot of places where it's like oh that's actually a geyser uh, yeah me, me too I mean I've had so many uh um different phases where I just was like oh I'm completely defeated <laughs> and now, and even coming back, I was doing stand-up, but I kind of reduced it to, um, I mean, I, you know, I was never really doing a lot of clubs here, but there was just this, this kind of artsy, you know, uh, place called the Transact. And I was doing an afternoon show with these musician friends of mine, like once a month, sometimes I was doing two shows in a month there. And I would do like a long set and it just felt, and there were, there would be like, it was a small room. There'd be like 12, 15 people there. And they were like my favorite shows to do. And it just felt like, um, it was really one of the um, high points uh, of coming back. And you'll probably have that in, in NM. Where are you? You're in Santa Fe. I love it. Oh, so let me tell you. So I talked to Chris Crofton and I said, I don't know where to go. And Chris was like traveling for a while. He was in Nashville and he went, um, he saw Josh Fadum in Georgia. Josh moved to Georgia. Um, he's there right now. Everyone. Did he, did he move there to vote? <laughs> I'm like, <can laughs> he bust. Yeah, I know. Like uh, just, just I to let everyone know who's the, listening. So Ellie like, kind of played. Who's, who's where because i feel like you know if a job comes up i don't want someone to go oh that person's wherever yeah. so josh is in la everyone's in la but <laughs> but i'm in la you're in la josh is in la chris um, crofton's in la trump's in la chris is actually he drove back to california but i was like where can i go and he goes why don't you go to georgia and i was like i don't know i was like what else is in within driving distance and he was like, I mean, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico. And when he said New Mexico, it was like someone lit a sparkler in my soul. Right. You because like, I mm -hmm. love, I've been here twice to Santa Fe and both times I thought I want to retire here. If, if I ever have the money to like, be like, okay, show's over. <laughs> I would pack my bags because- did you know in New Mexico, like you can't build, they're not allowed to build buildings very high. So everything is very low and you can see the, where the sky meets the earth, like at all times. That's amazing. And it, it is incredible. And I'm moving into a place on the first that is, I can't even believe it. I can see, it's like all mountains I can, and I can see the lights in Albuquerque from my front yard, I'm going to have a yard. Yeah. See, this is, this is what I've thought about ever since the pandemic happened. I mean, it was, it's, first of all, it's, it's a crazy thing to me, you know, the, the, the course of like moving away from this place that I've been trying to go to, or this country I've been trying to go to for so long and then coming back and having this opportunity to just kind of like deal with the wounds and uh, still do stand-up-y stuff. And then 
COVID comes along and suddenly the government is kind of giving me some money and, you know, the election, at least the election happened because the run-up combined with the quarantine was just the most brutal period of time, I think. Right people in North America had experienced. It was, I know. It was crazy. I'm so, that's so interesting that you say, step away, look at the wounds, because when you're in a match, you don't know where the bruises are. Right, (laughs) yeah. And not to say LA was some like, some terrible overall experience, but it is the kind of thing where it's like, you have to be constantly going Mm-hmm. And the times when I like let go and just kind of tended to myself, I was always like, oh my God, now I fell out or I, yeah. and I don't Because like you're that. supposed to monetize uh, stepping back and, and, and being vulnerable. Right. Being like my reflection period. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to be a person and being here, I've only been here. So I was supposed to move out here. October 31st, the night before I was supposed to drive 12 hours, I didn't sleep a wink. I could not sleep. Yeah. And I'd be out of my apartment the next day. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have to drive 12 hours. Oh my God. That's like (laughs) the ultimate stress. That's like the LA stress, the final big LA stress moment. Yeah. So I like went and slept in a friend's guest room. Then the next morning, November 1st, I ended up getting on the road, fully rested. Oh, good. I have never been happier driving. Well, that's not true. But I was surprised by how happy I was to be going somewhere else. Yeah, I mean. I didn't have any like, oh, when will I be, you know, because people kept saying, but you're coming back. And it's like, well, let's just admit to ourselves that this you know, everyone getting excited about vaccines and stuff. That's great. And I'm glad people are feeling hopeful. I think it's going to be a while. I I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think even if it's going to be a while, I think it's, I mean, it's a catastrophe happening right now. Like it's, it's, it really is. And, and I think that, I I mean, I, I feel bad because it's kind of castigating, my f- certain friends of mine and stuff, but like live shows, really like we're trying to sort of reanimate a corpse, like before it's even being slid, like, like mid, like we're, you know, we're trying to reanimate a corpse uh, that's been cut into uh, by a magician who uh, actually had a, brought the wrong saw and cut the body. In half. I, don't, I don't know what this metaphor is, but, But, you you know, I just think it's like, it's totally fine to want to make people happy and entertain and distracted right now. We totally should be doing that if we have that within our can or can within our can. (laughs) And, uh, but I just think it's, it's probably not great to gather people in crowds right now, especially right now, you know? No. And, I know outdoors helps, but it's not magical. No. It's like you can still get a cold from someone if you sit next to them outside. Yeah. And that happened before. You got a cold from sitting next to someone outside? 
I'm sure. Like, I, I, yeah, everyone has. You know, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm sure I've been. Yeah. You know, and if it's more I'm contagious, kid, some kid at the bus stop sneezes and like, I don't know, yeah. I'm guessing. No, for sure. It's 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 well known it, or like somewhat right. well known that germs exist outdoors. Right. Well. right. And, and, you know, I just think it's. My theory is just if you're if you're someone who's like solidly made a living only from stand up <clears throat> or, or I guess theater, let's say, and you're like not making money, not able to really do other, ele- not able to sort of creatively express yourself or communicate with people in that fashion in any other way. Well, yeah, I kind of get why maybe you're jumping at doing live shows, especially if it's a financial thing. But if it's not a financial thing, it's like, okay, volunteer. Like, it's, you know. It's got to be largely ego. And social. I also think a lot of stand up. I, I feel like there are artists and there are business people, you know, mm. like that's what LA is kind of. Yeah. It's the it's art where commerce. It's to do business. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who are more in the business mindset of comedy, I guess, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. I need to work that out, work that thought out. No, I know it's, it's hard because I'm not but, trying to condemn people exactly it's more like i'm just trying to like get in that mentality but also getting into that like business mentality has always been very hard uh for me in a sense just because my my goals has have always been um like strange and simplistic (laughs) you know like i was like okay i put an album out oh this is great i'm so proud of me oh wow i got to go on the same show as janine garofalo who i quite like you know like this kind of thing oh this person said i was funny wow i'm i'm doing okay oh the crowd liked me here even though that that's good i sold three shirts but it's not like you know how am i going to make you know a hundred thousand dollars this year off of this that was rarely it was something i was hoping for probably but it wasn't something i was like trying to make the secret you know and i think i i think that america especially is really uh full of people who have been um told that that's like the most important thing to figure out since childhood you know that like, combining your passion with with making money is like the ultimate right. thing isn't it funny that um oh is that what we were told not every american but i think i think like i was told be a teacher um, <laughs> yeah that's your passion maybe make some money i love teaching um <laughs> but isn't it funny too how you know i feel like a lot of comedians we've kind of frowned upon like youtubers and stuff now that they're like the ones like in business <laughs> fine yeah, they're like, oh yeah, nothing has changed for me. I, I complained. I do solo episodes of this and I was complaining about, actually, if you were on Twitter, you would have seen a lot of this. Um, the woman, uh, the young woman who did the lip syncs on TikTok of, of Trump oh, yeah. got the comedy special. Sarah, that, Cooper. Sarah Cooper. She was, who who directed that again? The It was uh, Maya Rudolph direct, like created or executive produced this, this sketch thing she did. And then- Oh, the special- yeah, something. 
I know. I, yeah. And uh, everyone's was really mad at her for a long time. And then Amaya? no, at, at Sarah Cooper. And then at uh, recently, she wasn't that it was bad. Oh, but everything is pretty bad. <laughs> so. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh, I, I, yeah, that's, that's that LA answer. Keep that and don't move to New Mexico, but never let go of, I didn't see it. <laughs> that's an important. Well, let me say, and also I, ha- my friend is in the thing. Eddie Pepitone's in the, that special. He's great. He's so funny. Yeah, I mean, and Fred Armisen's in it too. I honestly I don't have anything against someone lip syncing Trump as long as they're not saying it's stand up, you know? Yeah, I think it's more that just then they started doing stand up. It's like the MMI, MMA oh, guy, Brendan Schaub or whatever, you know, got into stand up immediately right. after doing MMA and everyone was like, this sucks. And it's like, okay, it sucks. But what's really sucky is that the final, there's such a fine line. Like it's barely noticeable, <laughs> you right. know, that this person sucks more than someone who's been doing it for 20 oh. years and fell into like a crappy persona or, you know, like it just didn't right. fly. Like, and then the new thing people were angry about was uh, Larry David's daughter wrote some sort of a humor article for the cut that was uh, apparently, you know, they didn't think it was funny or something. And uh, oh. it was a whole Twitter thing. Nepotism. Hard to believe. Right? I love that you called me out on I didn't see it. No, I'm not calling you out on it. I'm just no, saying I, I actually do appreciate it because no. I, I am I am careful only because I've been called out on calling stuff out. Yeah. And on being saying, yeah, I'd like th- there was a special that was really popular a while back that I talked about on some podcast how I I wasn't it didn't do anything for me. Um, it was probably in the net. I got a little bit of flack for it, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like it's, this is a hard podcast to do because we're both catching up and trying to like talk some real smack and some realness, but then I also know. it's like, maybe we should move away from smack because. No, I, mean, I don't want to talk smack, but I'm just, how do we even get there from, oh yeah, it, I, I'm just going to like try to get back to just saying the lives. It, right. It's also like, <laughs> I don't want to be that person who is like super anxious and super, not hysterical, but bordering on that and just being like, why is everyone doing everything? It's like, don't worry, just you do, like I'll do whatever it is I'm going to do or not going to do and whatever other people do, as long as it doesn't affect the health. Do you think it's like this for other professions? Like anyone, like some orthodontist is just sitting there ready with his tools, like, and someone takes the tools out of a drill out of his hands and says, Dr. Richards, put the tools down, put your hands at your side and just see what happens. Just breathe. Like, <laughs> now is the time to reflect. Now isn't the time, Dr. Richards. Like, <laughs> Why, I don't know, part of me feels kind of relieved. I told, I was actually telling Nikki the other day, I felt like I was, had the feeling of water. Have you ever water skied as a Canadian? No, our water is frozen. (laughs) I water skied in Minnesota. 
okay, well then you've busted me here, but I just, I don't have a lot of core strength and I've never been uh, in a water ski uh, bracket. I don't have a lot of core strength. Well, when you're water skiing, you're like holding on really tight and the boat is just, you know, it's like you're at the mercy of this boat. And the goal is just to like, hold on as tight as you can, even though there's like so much tension, it feels like it's going to rip your arm. You're supposed to lean back. And this kind of felt like letting go. Like there's a moment in water skiing where you just go, I can't, you basically end it by saying, I can't take it anymore. And you kind of let go and you just like bob in the water. And then you see the boat go oh she let go let's go grab her or whatever circles back and I kind of feel like that's the period that I'm in right now is just kind of like in the water like I I just need to let go for a little bit yeah yeah I mean I think I feel that way I've done some zoom things I like those I stream with a bunch of comedians every Tuesday you know it's it's uh I have so my, my real view is that I have so many other means of expression that I might as well just take myself right. out of the risk mix. Like that's stand up. That's how I feel right now. It's like, I'm not going to be like, but, but I had like, just let it come back when it comes back. Well, your stand up is uh, I would say eternal, you know, it's not like something where you're going up there and you'd be like, so uh, Sarah Cooper special, why is everyone so mad about it? You know, like it's, you're, you've got like a, a really interesting act and it's very unique. And it's the kind of thing that I think you could, um, you know, like just not do for a minute and it wouldn't really, the essence of it wouldn't go away, hopefully because it's you, you know? And, and then that's what I was actually, uh, I had questions, believe it or not. And uh, oh. One of them was, this isn't a question, but it was, uh, it was like uh, the idea that for anyone who hasn't seen you, I don't really know if this is going to provide any clarity, but I just feel like you make your standup, it uh, makes one of the biggest first impressions I've, I've probably ever experienced seeing, you know, I, I saw you probably at the Tomorrow Show, I'm thinking years and years and years ago, which is Ron Lynch's Midnight Show. People can watch it on Instagram now. That's so nice of you to say. I'm going to take it as a compliment. It is a compliment. You come out and you've got this uh, keyboard. Is it a synth that you come out with? Sort of. It's like an old Yamaha. Yeah, with like an old Yamaha. And you're doing this combination of kind of sort of Zen kind of self-help uh med- meditative thinking puns yelling um heartfelt confession melting down all at once and it's quite memorable and it's well written as well so you know there's just so much going on in it but it's very it's organized well it doesn't feel disjointed to me at all and Gosh, can i just quote on my website I just was on your website. You've got a good MP3 of you saying, welcome to my website. I liked <laughs> it prepared me to hear your oh, voice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, use, use the whole podcast on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a transcript. Yeah, just include the transcript. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. I hope you're enjoying it. 
Lizzie Cooperman. Ain't she awesome? Check out Organism. Like I said, her album. I was at one of the tapings for it. Spoiler, she did more than one taping. Anyway, it's so funny. She's hilarious. But enough about Lizzie Cooperman. Now I'd like to tell you about me. This podcast. How can you help? I know that's what you're thinking. As soon as you listen to a podcast, you're like, how can I help the podcast? Well, you got the rating and the reviewing and the subscribing and the telling your friends and the tattoos you can get and the fan art and all of that. If you want to do any of that, that's all really good. The other thing you can do is you can go to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan throw some bucks our way get Andy the great producer who is responsible for this episode some baby money get me some baby money I call it just money baby money it's not a reference to having a baby or anything um yeah We'd really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Also, as I said, you can go to bandcamp.nickflanagan.bandcamp.com to check out the release, the Bandcamp release of my album, I'm Here All Week, from 2010. Ten years ago. That's a long time. And I won't take it. <laughs> and I won't take up any more of your time. Here is the rest of my talk with Lizzie Cooperman. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Was that something that you kind of got to or was it something I know? I'm pretty sure that you did. I remember you told me you were doing um, some performance art kind of things. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. When you were in and you're from Minnesota, you were born in uh, Minnesota. I was born in Minnesota, but I was in Boston for a while and I did performance art there. I was mm-hmm. in like, a, uh, I wanted to study, I wanted to have a major called poetry in performance. I still write poetry. Right. Like your dad. Yes. You guys um, have that in common. I, I write his poetry in my handwriting. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's so. And then I try to get it published. <laughs> yeah, no, the, just get it out there. Get it out there, please. <laughs> um. So I wanted to do performance art. I did stuff in cardboard boxes. I used to do this thing called poetry machine where I was in, it was like a poetry jukebox kind of. And then I was in this, yeah, this group with my friend who passed away um, called Trivia where we were in cardboard boxes. And then I did a a couple solo shows, but then when I started doing stand-up, it was like, I just kind of became addicted to it, but I was, I was really just learning how to write jokes. I wasn't trying to put a layer of performance art on it at all. So I'd say for the first like five years or so, it was pretty straightforward. Although a lot of my jokes were dark. I was actually thinking today about a joke I had where I was like, I would never tell that joke. Oh, I have a lot of stuff like that too. Shocky stuff that, Mm -hmm was popular at the time because you know everyone was white (laughs) and i think like sarah silverman was huge influence huge influence yes i mean nobody talks about about this right nobody talks about that publicly that much but well it's crazy because 
you can say, oh yeah, there are a lot of like edgy female comedians or whatever, but like she was the first one to like, you know, she was pretty and wore sneakers and she had well-written joke. Like it was all, it was a combination of things that she was the first one to have that combination. Yeah. It was a really, really compelling combination. And it felt for whatever reason to me, because of all of those factors you just talked about, I was like, oh, this is like my favorite comedian, I think. And this was before I'd even, I was like reading her jokes a lot of the time because she didn't have like a lot of like a special until Jesus is magic. I don't think, you know, like, and a lot of it was too dirty to not to necessarily be on, you know, network TV that much. And uh, I barely knew when I started stand up, I barely knew. I mean, I I knew just about things in like little pieces, you know, because I was kind of like all over the place. mm -hmm. But I never thought, oh, I'll move to New York or, oh, I'll move to LA. Those weren't even thoughts when I started in Minnesota. I was thinking I can do stand-up and maybe I can make some money opening for people on the road or something. You know, I never thought I'm going to be, try to make it big in this in some way. And then when I started, I won some contest. I won won a contest called Laugh. Laugh Across America. And I won for like the Midwest and I had to go to Las Vegas and perform at the Stardust Casino. And I had no material, Nick. I had <laughs> no material. And because I only had to do three minutes for the audition. And they're like, okay, still so come here. You'll do a seven minute set. And I remember there was a guy out there who I was talking to and I was like, he was in the festival. And I was like, I do not have seven minutes. I just mm-hmm. started. And I am so... I was just waiting for the light, you know, like waiting. For the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that that feeling when you're out of like yeah. most important stages I've, I had ever, you know, would perform on for a long time. It was like, I didn't have the material to even fill the time. Even when I had material, you know, there were a couple of real big ticket shows that did not go well. And they were hometown crowds. Like I, pl- I opened for Aziz and Sorry in Toronto and oh my God. Oh my God. They hated me. But then a lot of my friends say, wow, like I loved what I loved you at that show because I was not really budging from my thing, but right. the crowd just hated me. And the same thing kind of happened when I opened for, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he was on the league, Jean, Le- Jean Lejoie. Do you know John? Um, he does no. like, he was like a really early YouTube sensation, uh, sensation. <laughs> it feels weird to call I said offhandedly. Had the same reaction. Did I just call like, someone a sensation? Sensation. And they were like, what? You know, that's a real age, age, age <laughs> giver. <laughs> you know? Your dog is a rising star. Logan Paul. He's a sensation. The sensation, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and uh, the crowd hated me, but John, but John was very nice to me, and it, it's just, but but when you get those kinds of shows, and you're like, wow, like had that right. gone well, maybe I would have like raised my profile somehow because I, you know, you you have these friends who do shows and kill it a certain show, and suddenly the person they opened for didn't know them is like, oh, I like what you're doing, tour with me, and and even I, I had a show with Michael Showalter like a few years later or a year later. And it was like one of the most career, like local, local stature helping things I'd had in a while because it went really well. 
And, right. and, and so, you know, <laughs> that's the other side of it. It's such a maze. It's a maze. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Aziz because I was just telling someone. When, so when I started, I got passed to work at the comic strip in New York. Oh, and this was great. like a couple of years in. So I moved to New York and he was just starting out. Or he, maybe he was a couple of years in. Mm-hmm. But I remember he was doing shows like downtown also. And he had a blog. Yeah. No, he was very like extremely <laughs> online back then, as was I, yeah. you know. Were you? Well, yeah, I was all over this message board, a special thing, you know, so. Right. Then, oh my God, was, I was so scared of that. Yeah. All the comedians I liked and so, and a lot I didn't know were posting there. And I was just like, I thought, are these guys doing well or what? Turns out they were using it. <laughs> yeah, I do, does that still exist? Uh, no, but there is a Facebook group of, of some of the people. I, I think Matt Belknap from Never Not, the podcast Never Not Funny, that was like, Oh. his message board. It would know? have helped to do a bit about it, like to do a joke about it. You I know, to be like, oh, a special thing. Like if it was, <laughs> if that was now, that's what I would want. Like that would be the only way that I could overcome my fear of a special thing. <laughs> Why you were know? you so afraid of this uh, comedy form? Was it because there were recaps of every comedy death ray that was happening? So people were saying if they thought you were funny or not? Because so yes, I did somebody like death ray were like saying online who they liked, who they didn't like. I will never forget. I did a show at, did you ever perform at M bar? Yes, I did. Uh, I did a, a nightmarish show at M bar uh, because it was after the show comedy death ray had left M bar and comedy death ray for those who are listening is uh, the predecessor to comedy bang bang. Right. So it was Comedy Death Ray and it was happening first at MBAR, then at UCB in LA. Both right. it was always in LA. Scott Ackerman. And there was also next Tuesday, Porter. I remember. Remember next, next Tuesday? That was also Matt Belknap's, Matt Belknap's show. Right. So I had a day, I had a trip to New York where because Neil, I'd opened for Neil Hamburger, I got to do a bunch of fun shows in LA and I did Comedy Death Ray followed by See You Next Tuesday. I did an MBAR show. I did Garage Comedy. So, and, and, I met all these different people, like Nick Kroll, uh, all the people I, um, I didn't meet you, but I met um, my friend Jason Walliner, you know, cause Human Giant hosted the show I did. Nick, um, when you say Neil Hamburger, I have to say, it just like breaks my heart because that is what I miss. I miss Neil Hamburger. At the satellite. Person. I missed that show and I missed that group of people like that me, me that is what i miss that the was rest, like, like my my house show in 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 los angeles when i was living there like that was i i even not just the it's they all kind of were the neil hamburger show once they started doing other sunday shows but it was the satellite neil hamburger show where i could always know i could at least do it if i was in town i could at least do it a few times a year and i could go there any sunday and see my friends and um you know, it just was, yeah, I missed uh, that. And it's sad to think that Neil Hamburger isn't performing right now. And also Greg Turkington is like the best guy. So yeah. he is the best person. Yeah. The last show I did with him, I think was at a restaurant with Chris Crofton, actually. And we performed at this like sports bar in Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a sports, like there was like a bar and then like a dining area. Yeah. But 
yeah, he's just the nicest person. Smart. And those shows, you just always feel like you can do whatever you want to do. I know there's so much faith that he, he puts in you. And uh, it's, it's, it's a rare thing because it's not necessarily that he's like, I don't know. I can't really explain it. Like he makes you feel like what you're doing is kind of good on a base level so that you don't necessarily have to worry about, frankly, the crowd, <laughs> you know, because the first thing about like, normally when there's no host, I'm like, Ugh, but like Neil hamburger show, it works for some reason. What, you know, even if there's an intermission, I loved coming up after intermission, which I wouldn't on any other show. I'd be like, what? So they're all going to be just walking around drinking. And then I like, if that yeah, happened yeah. and like at a, some theater or something, your set wouldn't go out. If it happens at Neil Hamburger, it doesn't matter. Like, no. because the crowd is so uh, committed. And yeah, they're, they're, committed, you know? they're committed and they're a weird mix of people. You know, right. ultimately, it's kind of like those Adult Swim fans, like L.A. scum nightlife is there for some reason. Um, really great people. I mean, that's the, the thing about those Neil Hamburger shows is because his circle is so incredibly varied. You'll like perform and then someone will be like, oh, did you know uh, Liberace's son was in the crowd and he saw you do comedy? <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. And, and I, like, what? It's that is a legendary show and it, it is that is a legendary <laughs> but i missed no, that and then on the other hand i was performing so often at the improv lab yeah. i can't even tell you like toward that <laughs> i'm like back to the lab i just kind of developed like a love for it for the i i like the improv lab i didn't get to play there that yeah. much but it was a. Uh, it was a fun room. I know we we did do a show together there, actually, with uh, Mike H., major yes. entertainer. Uh, and the guy on the treadmill, Mr. Let's Paint. Yes, Mr. Let's Paint was on the show. And, he um, painted. So, yeah. I, I mean, oh, we need to explain who he is. But it's fine. Let's he just go back to Let's go back to Ambar, because he's, yeah. this all started with you bringing okay. up Ambar. So I don't think it was Embar that though. I, oh. I can't remember, but it was like some place and it was like right when people started writing about comedians online. And I got home and there was the next day, I mean, there was an article, like someone had written a review of the show. And I remember someone saying, next was Lizzie Cooperman. Um, her act was it's something about it being high energy. And they said she reminded me of Robin Williams. <laughs> and then it said that said she wasn't my cup of tea <laughs> yeah it was, I, <laughs> it was all good and then they were like but it wasn't for me which I, yeah. I actually respect like I was like okay I, yeah. I'll take it you know I mean that's one of those dismissive <laughs> statements that you're like this could have been like way worse and really this puts it on me to explore right. further and then right. it's my fault you know, if I go, well, wait, why wasn't I your cup of tea? What kind of cup of tea you like? Nick, I used to go on stage. I mean, now remembering what my process was like, it was like cocktail napkins flying everywhere. Like I would <laughs> go through a phase where it's just like, kick, 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 kick. like, I don't even know if I was using my keyboard at that time. I can't remember. I, I think I, I didn't use my keyboard back then. So it was just like me going through notes, like a 
crazy math teacher. Right. Of. So you all, you, you had these kind of movement things that were almost the, uh, like, again, just if people haven't seen your stand up, which they should, and they should check out your album organism. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, um, the keyboard exists as almost like, how would I describe it? Um, uh, like underlining, you know, or, or, yeah. or italics or, you know, sort of yeah, it's like punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. Punctuation, sonic punctuation. Yeah. And, that kind of goes along with it. Yeah. I like it italics because it does happen while I'm speaking. Yeah. And, and, uh, that, that's not what punctuation always does. I love that you say italics. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, what were you doing before the, the synth? You had the cocktail napkins. Did you have something where you were kind of going, like trying to get a catchphrase going as your no. thing? All I know is- You would just go, easy. There was one point where I became, la- I turned a corner and just started letting loose. And it was like, did you ever know Andy Ritchie, comedian Andy Ritchie? Um, the, I mean, no, I never met him, unfortunately. Okay. You know, but so yeah, funny. What we talking about. If, if you're listening, look up all his stuff. He was so funny. He died of a brain tumor yeah. around Thanksgiving, actually. Um, mm. God, years ago now. I think it's been like four years or four or five years now. But um, yeah. I'm just thinking, so I remember smoking a cigarette with him outside before this show where I was like, I'm like, I, I remember just going, I... The way things are going, I've had this thought before in stand-up where I'm like, the way things are going now, I can't do this forever if I'm doing it like this. I can't do this forever if it's me here just telling jokes. It just wasn't fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. And so there was one show where I remember, and, and it was taped for like, I mean, it's it's online somewhere, but. I just kind of, like something came out, you know, and like a new thing just comes out of you kind of. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And then I kind of like rode that for a while, but it was more physical and more aggressive and it felt yeah. better to me. And it felt more cathartic when I was done performing. Um, and it felt also like more androgynous because I think so much of it for me was the feeling of also being perceived as being a woman. Mm. Um, I think God in the way, I think that's gotten away in the way of a lot in my life has been like my perception of how I'm supposed to be as a girl. This is an, uh, like a weird kind of direction I'm going to go with it, but has that gotten in the way in like your personal life you're saying as well? Like even like, yeah. this is a weird thing, but even in your interactions with, with men and women, if that makes any sense. I really think it has. I feel in a way, and I think it's exacerbated by being in relationships and feeling like if I'm not a woman, in a way, I think I'm supposed to be a woman. I'm like not a good partner too. Mm -hmm. And I would get really stressed. Like it it really stressed me out for a long time. And I think that when I started, um, letting this go kind of in my comedy, I also started having less like long-term relationships (laughs) coincidentally, because I feel like, I don't know. I just felt kind of more 
like androgynous in a way. You I know? mean, there is like an, there is, I, I, I kind of, I, it is, I guess there's like an aggressive or confrontational element, I think to your standup, but I think a lot of it is like, you know, that movie seven, have you seen seven? I haven't seen that in a while. I've only I seen it once. It's like not a movie you see more than once, but if you're me, but, but <laughs> there's a part where like Kevin Spacey, spoiler alert, he's the big bad guy in it. And, the, and he comes into this uh, police station and his hands are covered in blood and he just goes, detective. I think that that's like a, like a, on the vision board for your stand-up. Right. <laughs> like oh you're my. just holding a, like Kathy Griffin holding Trump's head. Right. Yes. Like it, it def, there definitely is like something visceral about it that I'm trying to get through, like with my body or my voice or the piano of a sensory experience beyond the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's just interesting to me that that would be, perceived as un you well, know, it like, like an androgynous for a different reason like I think I just kind of like I don't know sometimes I feel like I need a lot of space to um I told my friend I feel like like a <laughs> I told my friend I was like I feel like a sea creature a lot of the time she was like what do you mean I'm like how do you not understand that <laughs> But I feel like I'm like, uh, floating. I don't know, like, uh, what's the animal, like a sea urchin or something that's like. I was just thinking of a sea urchin. Like I'm that, not kidding you. Like a that's whelk? That's kind of how I like go through is like, I need space to kind of like compress and then kind of like let it go. Like, that's how I feel like I kind of go through things creatively too. Yeah. Like I mean, you were I d- talking earlier about your process. Oh, I, I have no idea what my process is. And how it was kind of all over the place or whatever. But I, I think alone time is just as important to that, whatever happens on stage. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the other thing that I'm using as a positive in this time period, you know, is just uh, the idea that like the alone time's helping. Maybe I'm not writing up bits. I have no idea what those bits would be anyway, but I am recording solo podcasts i'm like talking to my friends who we wind up joking around and and talking about subjects you know whether it's fucking in person or not in person whether it's like recorded or or with another comedian or just like with whoever it's just i think that that's the other thing about this era is you know comedy became so like weirdly informal and hey guys yeah i'm here man that like what's the fucking difference now half the time between just like being out and about or just talking to a barista and going on stage and walking, watching that barista perform for you, you know? So, so, so having that time alone, you know, I, I think is a bit of a blessing. I respect to baristas listening to the podcast. Oh, I love baristas. I'm saying you're as funny as every comedian I've ever met. Every barista. I like to say barista, like bat mitzvah. But mitzvah, every but you're every but but mitzvahs are hilarious, as well. They're like roasts. Keep Jeffrey away. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, but uh, 
what was I going to say about, about the, the process thing is uh, it's not so much about the process, but I did always know that about you too. It's like, I feel like we're friends. We're always happy to be in touch, but I also feel like you're a little, a little hard to pin down. Sometimes you're doing your own thing. You're, you're going through your own life cataloging, right. or you're avoiding me. I don't know. No, I want to talk to you more. Oh, I, I think that I am a loner. Yeah. I am. And I'm fun. realizing that even more out here and during this, like I, I don't know. I need to work on it. It's something I actually feel like I need to work on a little bit. But you don't need to work on the androgyny. I don't need to work on the androgyny. Androgynous performance style. You got that. Right. I've got that down. But that's interesting. Are you going to do a thing in your journaling where you're like that hurt my feelings when Nick said I don't have to do anything about the androgyny I didn't I meant the dual gendered nature of your your performance no I like it it is what you know who one of my favorite performers is Joe Pesci (laughs) two of my favorite performers are one Carol Channing sure Carol Channing yeah androgynous yeah totally she would go like she Uh was a huge inspiration to me and Oh, also, well, I can flag that for follow But secondly, Laurie Anderson, the performance artist. I've been so into Laurie Anderson for like the last few years. So amazing. Really? Yeah, and I grew up uh, somehow exposed to Laurie Anderson uh, very early on because I thought that song, Sharky's Day, it was just so accessible yeah. to like my child brain, you know? It was like... Right. Beautiful and simple, some coming up, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. loved it. And then I heard this album. Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting. Lauren, oh, no. um, with her short hair and sometimes having yes. almost a robot type uh, vibe, you know, yes. she's brilliant. I, and so those are two kind of, you know, I also was influenced. Oh, I totally I didn't see realize it, I was, but my friend was like, "You seem like you were influenced by Karen Finley." Who's Karen um, Finley? She did the thing where she she did something with Jesse Helms, where she like covered herself in chocolate and put like alfalfa sprouts. She was like, "Oh, to protest she him." Made herself in a piece of into a piece of shit or something. But she used to do like she would come out like nude and like slither around the audience and stuff, but in a mm-hmm. really unself conscious way. Yeah, Un- yeah. Not- Um, but so my, so the people I looked up to, it wasn't like I, or not even like looked up to like my hero was Tom Hanks. Like it wasn't like that. It was just things I was absorbing, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. more influence than, than anything, I guess. Yeah. We absorb these things. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's so cool. And I would never, I would actually never trade that for calculation, you know, like I, I, I want to kind of take that stuff in and put it out and then afterwards be like, maybe have some perspective on it and then understand why it happened. Like, I'm not a real believer in um, having to explain why your thing is the way it is. Ideally, I want to bring out a feeling and none of us really understand why it resonates with us, you know? Right. All, like, does that make any sense? Like a collective resonance, yeah. but it's kind yeah. of in our 
can't be articulated, which is probably why I, I like doing music. Has like a gender either. You, you know, don't think don't what think has a gender? Like the soul doesn't have like a a gender. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But actually, in Kabbalah, it, it does. Right. So the soul's got like a little wiener, <laughs> or sort of a where the good Lord splits you. Right. <laughs> Is that a, is there a Hebrew expression for where the good Lord split? I don't think so. We gotta. You would, I think you would like Kabbalah, actually, but is there a Gohanzen? There's no Gohanzen, but a lot of it is about restriction. You know the reason men wear yarmulkes? Con- is... Bald. Because <laughs> that's why I do. Nick. <laughs> that is so funny it is convenient i guess it's great i love it you just yeah, pretend I, to become religious later in life that's what i that's what i thought as soon as it started thinning i was like oh great now i've got to like like really get into this you know who why okay i get i've asked this question so many times about why men care so much about that but uh, i you know what that, I like, I don't care that much, except picture this, you're at an audition, it goes well, and then you walk away and it's kind of sad. (laughs) The last thing they see is like evidence of decay. That is so funny because when it starts, it's just in the back. I don't think it's that, like for me, that's pretty much, there's something going on hairline raising for me, but mostly it's just been some thinning in the back. And then it's just like, I just feel like it throws people off. From that, by like doing something bigger, like putting toilet paper on your shoes so they don't look at that. Right. Yeah. Like, like making sure you have like a hole in your, in the back of your pants or something, (laughs) you know, like a message PMRC. Remember when Rage Against the Machine <clears throat> performed at Lollapalooza and um, they were naked with the word PMRC written on their, no. their chest? What does that stand for? That was in the 1980s. Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, had this whole like censorship campaign that led to like parental advisory to explicit lyrics. And uh, it was called the PMRC. And um, to protest it, there, you know, that was Rage Against the Machine protesting it and frank zappa protested it and you know, nick i went back and watched some ronald reagan debates the other day i was scumbag. like people love ronald reagan fucking sucks and he had jokes <laughs> you he know jokes <laughs> i saw pictures of him <clears throat> in like drag or no with like a fake mustache in like a costume at the white house or something and you know I watched a clip of Trump. It's something that nobody who does, like nobody who hates Trump would watch his like turkey pardoning session, you know? But he was telling all kinds of jokes. Like that's why his base likes him is because he is like a buffoon. He's like doing act outs. He's like, like all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is like, Right. I hate to say it, but if you were at like the comedy store and he said, you know, I don't know where Megan Kelly was bleeding from. It was probably, you know, for down there too. It's like, you're not going right. to get asked not to come back. Ah, <laughs> to potluck. 
Monday night <laughs> the ding dong oh show. This is crazy. It does feel like we're kind of performing a slight autopsy on our, our time in comedy, which is like weird. Yeah. I don't feel it's dead, you know, but I do. And I right. doubt yours is as well, but it, it feels like it's um, changed. It has. There is no stand-up scene here, by the way, which I didn't even think about that before I moved here, but there, there are no clubs. But Marin is from there. Maybe you could email him, him and ask him to start a club. Oh, is he? He's from Albuquerque, right? Yes. Yeah, not okay. San Jose, but you know. That's so funny. Yeah, maybe. You know who else is out here? Do you know Doug Mellard? Yeah, great guy too. Up here. Sweetie. With his wife, Flynn. Yeah, they're so nice. I, I mean, this is what I'm saying. It's like this financial the financial reality of 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 life right now the artistic needs versus the commercial needs of oh my god that's so embarrassing performers and um of course we're gonna leave like we're decentralizing that's just what's gonna happen right. you know it, it just doesn't make sense under these circumstances so there's no i kept telling myself because i was I did get a job right before I moved, but oh, I could so do funny. it. I did it all on Zoom. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, am I going to have to like, you know, be on set for something? But it was, the show was being taped in New York. There was mm -hmm. no way that they would have asked me to travel mm -hmm. to New York and what, I, you know, I was just writing. So, um, but yeah, I just thought, oh, there's, so there's actually no reason for me to be here right now you know, other than to occasionally go drink a LaCroix in a friend's backyard <laughs> once a month. Right. And to sort of talk about what moon juice used to be. Yes. Also, I'll I feel like we maybe have to like get together again and do this because this is I know, so I know. Fun. We should do a part two. I know. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But anyway. But yeah. So now I'm just... I don't even know what it would be like to, are you with someone? Yes. Okay. What is that experience? <laughs> you don't have to go into it. It's your show. Why would you it's want to nice. to it's it's nice. details of No, I mean, I, I refer to it in the show. I don't get too deep into it, but I mean, it's good. It's, they're all, every situation under COVID is challenging, you know? So right. I think that there's positives to being solitary. There's definitely negatives to it. Spill and all her secrets. <laughs> can't tell any of her secrets, but um, no, never do. Not mine to tell. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's been it's good. You know, it's been like I I think it's been like a a a rough like dating life in my life generally, but. Um, not rough, but just like, you know, uh, fixed patterns and kind of like weird inflexibilities. And, and uh, this feels like communicative, which I think is mostly what's important and, and fun. So, you know, that's uh, it's, and, and just the fact that it's like seven months into this pandemic. Their head out and it's Sarah Cooper. Dave? <laughs> I'm going out. With, I'm going out with Sarah. Uh, she's she's my um, age, which is uh, uh, good, I guess. And uh, I did have a joke recently that I thought of where maybe I'll have to not use this in the podcast because it's uh, a little harsh. But it goes: I think men date younger women because uh, 
there's less discussion of chronic pain. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But you know, you'll yeah. get you'll get yelled at more. Right. You know, that's the trade-off. Uh, you'll have to stay up later too. Oh yeah, if you're dating someone younger. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, DJ nights, I have to do that again. Nick, what is the worst? Have you have you binged any really bad TV shows? Oh yeah, that's like what we've uh, been been. Uh, yeah, well, well, my girlfriend watches lots of. Uh, I would call it high level reality TV, but we've oh. together watched uh, both Rock of Love Bus and Flavor of Love season two, I think. Okay. A- and uh, we tried to watch Hunters, but that couldn't be done. Are you guys not watching Bachelorette right now? No, we're not doing Bachelorette. She's roles with uh, okay. this season. Yes to the dress. Fascinating. Well, she's uh, from the UK, so okay. um, she watches like there's this naked dating show that she watches where oh, it's yeah. like naked people. That's an yeah. interesting one, and uh, this very calming one that like, I think you I'm should totally ch- fine with it. What if you were totally <laughs> insecure about it? You're like, you know, and I, I'm warming up to it so <laughs> as long as they blur out. The, yeah, the I mean, it's I it's in mind that I sort of turn away a lot and. <laughs> We, we, we forced ourselves to watch eight episodes of The Vow, which was a nightmare. And then we watched the Seduced uh, documentary series, which is like the other Nexium one. That's way better. You know, watch that instead. But uh, not The Bachelorette. I feel like Below Deck, like a lot of that. Okay, so she's not, but no like episodic. We're getting into, we like when we first got together, we rewatched, rewatched Sopranos. Oh. When, when, the pandemic first happened, we watched all of Curb and that was like incredible. It felt like it was saving our lives. And then Oz, it was my idea that we would rewatch Oz. So we watched about the amount of Oz that I was able to get through when Oz first came out, which is like four and a half seasons. And then after that, it's just like, okay, like you've killed all of the characters who are the best actors pretty much, you know? Okay. And well, what about you? I'm watching... A train wreck of a TV show right now. Got to tell me. But if they ever hired me, hired me to write on it, I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> Everything is. I haven't seen it. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Remember that? <laughs> I get it. It's a callback. Okay, well, let me those. let me take a step back and say, I I started watching the TV show This Is Us. Oh yeah, This Is Us. I remember when that so came out. I was like, out. why is everyone so hard on This Is Us? I need to see what this is about. I thought they loved it. Okay. People we know don't, like critics don't love it. I Um, see. Middle America loves it. I see. And it is like a serialized Hallmark movie that goes on and on and on. I mean, the layers, It is weirdly like a sentimental masterpiece because as much as I'm like, this is so lame, like I watch it and go, no, that is not, even the language they use, like this guy's voicemail is like, like say it was your voicemail, you'd be like, and that's me nicking out. (laughs) Toby and out. I'm just like, oh my God. Like there are so many cringe worthy beats. However, 
it's sewn together in this way where it's like, you know, it's like the perfect, it's like perfectly structured in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Nothing is earned really. And the characters are not that complex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and as it goes on, you keep finding out more and more about them and how mm-hmm. they're all tied together. And I guess they knew the very end of the show when they first started writing it, I think. Mm. And so you get the feeling that it is this very well-constructed and yet highly manipulated symphony of tears. Because I watch it and I'm like, I can't believe I'm still watching this. And I, I started watching it so I could, you know, pit myself against it. Mm-hmm. Or learn from, or learn from it, and then I got sucked into it. And now you're, have you finished? I'm it? watching it. Now I'm watching it. Well, we we just started Six Feet Under, and okay. I've never seen it. And I will tell you, I am shocked. Shocked. I am really into it, and you know, I wasn't expecting it. And one of the early episodes, I got emotional near the end. And it's kind of the same thing where I'm like, me, I got emotional. Me, I've never been emotional in my life. And yet here I am becoming emotional at a show about death, which I've never experienced. And I frankly don't care about, you know, but uh, yeah, I just was like, well, these characters seem kind of like party of five, like they, cause this was like the model in a way, like something like this is us. Like there's like thinner versions of the six feet under model. And it's got um, like late nineties, early two thousands touches that kind of date it, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And I think it still is cool. You know, I need to watch it. I know. I know. I oh, you never it. saw it either. Jill Holloway right on that. Who? Jill Holloway. Jill, Jill Soloway. Right I don't, I don't know if Jill Soloway is she the, is, is she the transparent one? Yeah. She created it. Well, oh, sorry. She goes by Joey now. Oh, yes. And she's in a, who was she in a relationship with for a time? Nanette. With Hannah Gatsby. Hannah Gatsby. Okay. So now you got to tell me, was it Nanette that you were, that you got in trouble for Curtis? Okay. When was it, uh, I'd be known by Amanda Seals? I know. I didn't see that. Neither I did I. Funny though. I'm sure she is, but um, the reason I I said that is just because. Yeah, she was a she she was a producer on Six Feet Under. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm t- I'm not surprised. Um, I love that kind of uh, learning that just the way that Matthew Weiner kind of was involved in the last few seasons of Sopranos and then did Mad know. Men. You know. Interesting. Yeah, you can you can see the connection. I'm jealous of him. Like he just did too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but jealous yeah. of everybody. <laughs> jealous of you. You're you got a yard in your new Santa Fe place. I can't wait. I move in December first. I'm so excited. That's I might get a dog too. I don't know. Wow. Ready for the dog leap, but Do you, you don't have a dog phobia. I don't have a dog phobia. I do have a dog behavior, bad behavior phobia that I would get a dog and it would be, you know, kind of a bitey dog or yeah. not get along with me. And yeah. that I would take it as a reflection of my personality. Right. Well, it would get along with you. Okay. I mean, they love their masteresses and masters. And mattresses. <laughs> and mattresses and mattresses as well I love they, mattresses. yeah and and uh no dogs i think the thing is that they're bitey and then you know 
isn't the problem that you have a dog and it's bad and then it bites another dog. And then the person's like, why did it bite my dog? And you go, I don't care. You know, like that's where the I have to tell you, I had to give the dog back. Oh my God. So I'm a villain. I'm a living villain. <laughs> Seems to be like uh, some sort of, um, what do you call it? Like uh, when someone, something you have to do when you move to Los Angeles is like, it's, it's a adopt, milestone and adopt and give back a dog. <laughs> I didn't even have it that long. It was me and a boyfriend at the end of our relationship, got this dog. I dreamt about it. I saw a photo of it. I was like writing poetry about it. I wanted to save its life without ever having met it. And then we went and picked it up and immediately we brought it home. It was like, like a biter, (laughs) nasty, nasty dog. We had bought all this stuff for it. So we brought it back and we were like, if no one else wants the dog, we'll take it. Like if no one comes by the end of the week and you guys can have all this, all these prizes, you can have the kennel we bought for it. You can have these toys. That's nice. Yeah. So then someone else, some poor wretched soul, (laughs) someone else (laughs) ended up buying the dog. Well, maybe it was someone whose personality reflected the dog's personality. I mean, you know, my friend, their dog was super bitey, super weird, super tense, but they felt like it was sort of protective of them. And you could tell that they like got something out of that. And like, I'm not saying that's healthy, but at least they kept the dog um, for that reason. But you couldn't because it was bitey and it wasn't reflecting who you were and you you weren't reflecting its needs. And so you found somebody to take it. It's a happy you story. My needs tonight for a oh. great podcast. Thank you. And you too have reflected my needs for the podcast. Thank you. Will you return? Yes, anytime. Okay. I'm going to stop recording now. Okay. And I thank you very much, Lizzie. Is there anything you'd like to plug? What's that? Thank you for having me. What you? Yes. yes. Well, I would plug my podcast, but I've fallen off a little bit. Oh, yeah, the podcast. I had a podcast. Quarantine era. Yeah. Yeah, bring it back. Um, Just follow me on Instagram at Lizzie Cooperman. And then also, uh, yes, get my album, Organism. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. Mm -hmm. Which is being Um, phased out. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Okay. You could have waited until after. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm... um but yeah get my album and let's share life together yeah let's 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 all do a a tour and uh yes i can't wait for you to have a new place and i'm so excited i'm gonna press stop okay now and that's lizzie cooperman and me having a chat i'm nick Remember, you can write the podcast at weeklypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Lizzie, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, listener, for listening, listening to this episode. I appreciate it. Thanks for anybody who has given me support. So many of you have. I really appreciate it. I'm in my last week of staying on Toronto Island for a bit, and um, it's just been a real treat. I've gotten to do lots of interviews. Hopefully, I get some more in before I leave, and um, I hope you're happy, safe, well, healthy, and uh, toppling whatever systems of oppression happen to be in front of you. Remember to wipe the...
Remember to wipe, wipe the podcast. Remember to write the podcast if you'd like with comments, questions, or Sanskrit, binary, any language. Send it my way. Weekly pod, weekly podcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. You're great. Great show's coming up. Talk to you soon. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.